The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. This is episode 38. I'm so glad you decided to join us. We've got a great show for you today. My guests, Ken and Katie Craig, are a couple I first met when they were newlyweds uh, 24 years ago, almost 24 years ago. And uh, we were all in an improv uh, performance group uh, together at BYU and such just a great funny, fun couple. We're going to talk all about the improv stuff that they do, uh, as well as Ken's regular job with LDS Philanthropies, which is just fascinating. One thing I left out of the interview, I realized after they left, if you saw last year's just wonderful film, Once I Was a Beehive, you got to see the hilarious part played by Ken Craig as the bishop. So if you watch that movie, you see the bishop, that's Ken in it too. They just have so many projects going on that it's hard to get on top of all of them. Anyway, that's coming up. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what I learned in conference. So it's a fantastic show, a great conversation with two incredible souls. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. There are people you meet in life who you love, and today my guests are two people I love so much. My heart is incredibly full having them as my guests, and I'm so excited that you will get to hear from them. My guests are Ken and Katie Craig. Ken and Katie, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for inviting us, Sean. We're yeah. excited to be here. Yeah. Oh, so happy to have you on. So, Ken and Katie have been friends of mine now for 24 years. Mm -hmm. 24 years ago, we met. And uh, one of you tell our audience how we met and how you guys met. So the three, well, Katie and I and the three of us met. Yeah, we're not all married to each other. <laughs> no, no, I was not, not involved yet. in your meeting. Actually, <laughs> this once is going to be a good story. Once, once, I'm, once we met, you guys were actually already married. So why don't you tell us how you guys met? Well, picture if you will, <laughs> I'm a young 18-year-old coming out to BYU for my freshman year. And as part of our freshman orientation, then they had, we went to a show in the like quad of the Wilk. Anyway, that's, that's at BYU. At BYU. Mm -hmm. And um, we're sitting there on the front row watching a um, improv and sketch comedy group perform called the Garens and I was just captivated just you know like put your put your fists under your chin and then look up with big <laughs> eyes and blink and smile have a big smile that you just can't get rid of that was me watching and just loving this and then at the end then they announced that they were having auditions and I decided oh I'm gonna audition and I did and I got in and I got to perform with the handsome tall dark Ken Craig, who I had watched those weeks before. So, Ken, you were already in the Garen's comedy troupe. That's a true story. Tell us how the Garen's comedy <clears throat> troupe came together. So, at the f in the fall, kind of at the end of the semester, 
uh, of 92 on BYU campus. Uh, Eric Snyder, who was a freshman, hung up a flyer. He was looking to start an improv sketch comedy and improv troupe at BYU, which had not existed up to that point. Wow. Yeah. So he hung up this flyer. I had a roommate, um, who uh, Lincoln Hoppe, who uh, was in theater, and he wanted to go audition for it. He kind of talked me into it. I was not – I did not have a performing background, but he – Spun, you know, this will be fun and it'll be a great time. And so I went down and auditioned with him. We got in. So we were the first, and it was called the Garens, named after a hall mom in Deseret Towers <laughs> that several of us had had, Joyce Garen. And uh, so we called it the Garens. There were nine of us that first semester. We started in January of, of 1993. And then Damn. several left that summer. And uh, we did shows every Friday night and, uh, impress, uh, you know, Mix of improv and sketch comedy. So for, for our listeners who may not know improv, how would you describe improv? What is improv? It is making up a scene as you go. Yeah, like short you for some, improvisation. Yeah, mm-hmm. You have a concept, in. but no script. You just make it up as you go and try to be funny and try to keep the scene moving Sometimes along. it works, and that is really great. That's <laughs> when it's best. <laughs> Especially for a paying audience. So the, the Garens, people paid to see the Garens, five bucks. Yeah. And it was uh, it was a big deal. Uh, the Garens used to have lines around the block that would start forming hours early, and it was a standing room only event. So you're already in the Garens, Katie. You come and join the Garens. Mm-hmm. Was it love at first sight? Was it like this is it? There, were, I'll, let, I'll let Katie answer that. <laughs> it was definitely um, crush at first sight and infatuation. I, my roommates and I all had a crush on Ken. And, and you and won. I did. And I remember telling them, I remember rushing home and telling them, you guys have to come to the show this weekend because Ken and I do a scene where we hug. Oh, <laughs> this is a big deal. It was called Social Hugs 101 based on Social Dance 101. <laughs> and it's all about hugs. practicing different kind of hugs. And Ken and I got to do the boy-girl hug, the over-under hug. This is a big, big deal. Scandalous. And then the hug... We we continue it, and it becomes a passionate embrace as part of the sketch. Wow! Yes. So your so your first passionate embrace was on stage in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> That's right. Not everybody gets that experience. No, and it was actually captured on film because Sister Garen, the namesake of the comedy group, would come and film most of the shows. So we actually have a video of the show. Yeah. We have we have a whole library of of very poor quality um, VHS, VHS tapes. tapes of Garen shows yeah. from the nineties, and the Garens were such a big deal. Um, and that's where I met Ken and Katie. Yeah. Was Vanessa and I moved to Provo, where we were going to live for six months? That was twenty four years ago, <laughs> and uh, I am not bitter about that at all. But uh, we, so I was Fourth of July. I saw the Garens performing at the Freedom Festival, mm-hmm. and I had done so much improv and said, hey, can I come audition? And I auditioned and ended up performing with you guys. And spun off of the Garens, by the way, Eric Snyder is a very well-known movie reviewer now who reviews for all these big-name newspapers and magazines. Also with us was your old roommate, Lincoln Hoppe, one of your best friends, who is now in the new Stargate reboot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a successful actor out in Hollywood. And uh, Lisa Clark, our dear friend who is on uh, Random Acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
She's on random acts right now, and you see her all over. So there were a lot of, I like to say there were a lot of talented people in the Garens and me. I was there too. <laughs> and we had uh, this wonderful kinship together. That was love at first sight. That was, for me, I saw the two of you and was instantly in love with both of you. So there was there was a sensibility to uh, Ken and Katie that I just fell in love with. And actually, uh Lisa and her husband, Chris, and Vanessa, my wife and I, the six of us would get together from time to time. None of us had children. Mm-hmm. We had no idea all the dread that was to come. I mean, the <laughs> wonderful, wonderful love that would come. But we were just young and dumb. We were and, just kids. And we all hung out together, and we would laugh. And it got to the point where my only goal in the Garen show was making Ken laugh. <laughs> I didn't care what the audience thought. I just wanted to make Ken laugh. All right. So how did the first date come about? Well, so, so we met in that fall of 93 and then I and was, we just spent the whole year flirting and being really good friends because Ken was very old. He I was, was I was a return missionary. He was a return missionary. What's the age difference he between was, four, four years? years. <laughs> four years. So I was eighteen, and he was a return missionary, and he was very old and very old, so yes. old, so mature, so mature, and and also he was in a serious relationship. So we just spent the whole year flirting and being extremely good friends. And I dated another person who was in the Garens, who was his roommate. We were all just really good friends. Yeah, you dated another Garen. I did. See, yeah. I met I met you guys. You were already married. Yeah. So no. who'd you date? Mark Shaw. You dated Mark Shaw. I did. I had no idea. Very fun, delightful. It was before he went on his mission. Funny story. He made me a mixed CD one time. Oh, yes. Which I found out later he made using all of Ken's CDs. <laughs> <laughs> so he used your husband's CDs yes. to make the mixed CD. Yes, it's wonderful. Just I, glad I could be a part of it in some small way. I would date Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw is eminently dateable. He's delightful. He's he is a wonderful fun. guy. And so you guys end up getting married, and then you stayed in the Garens together. And we, we did. We did another semester, uh, married, and then, and then kind of just changed focus to trying to finish up school and and move on. So. Yeah, and the Garens was very focused on. Uh, it was not an LDS troop per se, but we pulled a lot of things from that culture. That culture for sure. Both yeah. BYU and LDS culture. Yeah. That was our main audience was BYU. Yeah, it was all BYU students. Or not all, but a lot of BYU students who attended. One of my favorite things was that there was a band yeah. within the Garens. And what was the name of that band? The Gadianton Rockers. The Gadianton Rockers. Yes. <laughs> and that was, uh, we did Sweet Home Provo, Utah instead yes. of Sweet Home Alabama. And but uh, those were wonderful times. So you guys ended up uh, meeting each other there and getting married. And where did that take you from there? After we graduated. Um, you both graduated from BYU? Yeah. We did. And then I graduated in advertising and, uh, and got a job at an ad agency in Las Vegas. Yeah. Which we felt good about because Provo was really no place to raise a family. And so, a yeah, terrible place. So, so we went Vegas to Vegas. Seemed, yeah, mm-hmm. that made more sense to yes. us. So. Much better. No, we had already. So we moved to Las Vegas for two years, and then fourteen years later. <laughs> that's right. We were you in Vegas for fourteen years? Yeah. yeah we were you really? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's amazing. It was a long time. Yeah. So you go out to Vegas. What now? Tell us where you're each from originally. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Graduated from high school in Kentucky. So yeah. And I grew up in Southern California and graduated in Hawaii. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And so you both end up in Vegas. This was not a place that you had lived before. No. No, no family there I or had anything. driven through it once. 
And yeah. and did you have kids by the time you moved to Vegas? When we had, yeah, we moved to Vegas when we had one, our oldest daughter, Abby, and she was one. It was on her first birthday that we moved there. Yeah. It was in the, it was in August and it was 120 degrees and we had a black Honda, Honda Civic, Civic that, oh my. with black pleather seats. <laughs> and no air conditioning. And no air conditioning. <laughs> and it was so hot. The steering wheel was so, you couldn't even touch the steering wheel. And I would have all the windows rolled down, which would blow all of this air on my one-year-old in the backseat, and she would cry. Oh, and no. so I had what was called a personal mister, which is you would pressurize it, and then you could release a little thing, and it would and put a little bit of mist water. of water around. Oh, no. And so at stoplights, I would be misting the steering wheel <laughs> and my daughter's face and me so I could survive while we were driving. I'd move my family to the surface of the sun. <laughs> Sometimes you look back and it's just amazing our children haven't been taken away from us <laughs> by responsible people. <laughs> when when your kids wonder, Mom, why do I have such problems? Well, we trace it back to the mister. You know, we didn't have air conditioning. We had the mister. We had the like mister. the pioneers. So you, <laughs> so you guys are in Las Vegas. So what's the culture shock of moving from Provo to Vegas? The funny thing about Las Vegas is it really is like southern utah (laughs) like i remember the day that i realized that there was an lds book section in walmart and Mm. i was like oh (laughs) this is funny this isn't like there are a lot of members of the church there yeah there's like 20 something stakes in las vegas yeah it's really big so one of my best friends is from vegas lives there again now but he grew up there (laughs) and he calls it the donut he says, you've got mm-hmm. the outside of the donut, the good part, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is remarkably Mormon. Yeah. yeah. And he said, you know, when, when you're in an average Las Vegas neighborhood, you could be in any neighborhood in the country. It's the middle of the donut yeah. that the problem yeah. is. And you don't go there. Like, locals don't go downtown. You just yeah. don't. He's but when like, you tell people you're from there, they do think they think of the strip. Like People you're- in Utah, when we say, we moved here from Vegas, they kind of give you that look and they go, oh, you mean Henderson? No, Las Vegas. Oh. Oh. We were in the MGM So you were a showgirl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You must have been a showgirl and a magician. (laughs) Yes. Since you lived in Las Vegas. Yes. I just barely took off all my sparkle and glitter. (laughs) Yes. Now, I remember we... So while you were in Vegas, you had an additional seven children. Technically, we had six children in Las Vegas, and then we had our last when we moved back up here. Oh, okay. I've got the timeline all wrong. So you guys have eight children. Which is just amazing. What are their age ranges? Our oldest, Abby, is 20, and yeah. our youngest, Hillary's four. Amazing. And it's that is such a spread. It's about every two years, yeah. and then it spreads out a little further towards yeah. the end there. That's a whole lot of kids is what that is. That is a lot. Is. Tell us your oldest son's name. Garen. Garen? <laughs> yes. From the Garen. And where is Garen right now? He's so, in Brazil on his mission. Yeah, serving a mission for the Lord. Been out a few months now, which is just awesome. Now, I remember talking to you guys when you were talking about moving back, and then a calling kind of rolled along that uh, planted you in Las Vegas a little bit longer. Ken, what was that calling? I was called as the nursery leader in our ward. No. <laughs> and you could not I couldn't tear yourself away. No. It was the Cheerios that kept you there. That's right. <laughs> I yeah I was called as a bishop of uh, of our ward, yeah, and uh, it was um, it was unexpected. It was a great blessing. It was um, it was really remarkable. I loved that time. I loved uh, the the people of our ward. You know, you get a uh, you know you you hear them referred to as a ward family, and I just I loved them like they 
like they were family. There was definitely that feeling there, especially since we had lived in the area for so long. And there's something about when you're having children and with these people and you're you're calling each other when someone is sick or you're going through these experiences at this time that just um, knits you together. Yeah. It's awesome. And there's a lot of service opportunities like in any ward. Absolutely. I, I specifically remember uh, with you, Ken, having us having a, a phone conversation where you said you had prayed, not asking if you should or could move back to Provo, but you prayed saying, I really want to, <laughs> and I'm ready to leave, and getting that answer that you were to stay and be the bishop. How is that bond with uh, with the ward members when you look back on it? There is something about... Um, you're obviously magnified in any calling, right? Beyond your own personal capabilities, and uh, and you're given different uh, opportunities. And it was just there's something about sitting with someone and seeing uh, seeing them the way Father sees them, and you f- you sense that divinity in them, and you you just can't help but discern the best in them and and love them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, even people that. That you don't know that well. You just all of a sudden feel this great, overwhelming love for them. You're the bishop. Yeah. I think there's something special because you, because of that position, then you get to be invited to moments of people's lives, which are transformational and... um, Or heartbreaking. Or heartbreaking, yeah. Some situations are just um, hard, but at the same time, it's... It's kind of this privilege to be able to be together through something like that. When I think at all the when I think about all of the milestones in our lives, I can tell you who our bishop was at that time. Mm-hmm. I know who our bishop was when each of the children came to us or were born and, and I know I kinda have when we moved and you know, you kinda mm-hmm. know the bishop and the bishop's wife. I mean mm-hmm. that's a that's a special bond that you guys will always have with that. That's really neat. Yeah. But you eventually packed up, made your way back here to Utah. Mm-hmm. We did. Back it was the... five weeks after he was released. <laughs> yeah. We actually felt like, oh, it's time to move. Oh, right now. Oh, right now. Yeah. It's happening really fast. It was quick. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this big, beautiful, awesome family, and you guys have a lot of fun. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. <laughs> How do you bring your theatrical backgrounds into your family? Um, Katie? Um, I grew up in a performing family, not in like the Osmond kind of performing family, but in the kind where um, we would do talent shows as part of family home evenings. That was a thing. My mom would write road shows and we were in them. And um, I don't know, my mom's remarkable. My parents are remarkable, but I remember them having funny friends that would come over late at night and and bring a huge pizza and they would sit and talk and laugh Mm. and they would like write sketches together for, I don't know why they would write these (laughs) odd sketches. For an audience of Yeah, just for fun. And, and I think that that actually had a big impact on me and on, you know, what, what kind of things I would see as normal to do. And so in our family, then we do have (laughs) talent shows and, and we go and perform it and at old folks homes at Christmas time and, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, have our kids play the piano. That's our version of a piano recital. Or um, that, it's just, It was such a part of our own courtship. It was something we, it's yeah. how we met was doing those kind of things together. And I think there is a lot of, um, I think creative projects 
there's a weird way that it knits people together. I think guards come down. Um, there's a creative energy that is shared. And there's a, I mean, you think of the people in the Garens that we don't see every week, but as soon as we see each other. Yeah, there's a bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think creativity does that. And so I, since that was a part of our own courtship and our own marriage and relationship, it's sort of spilled over into what we do with our kids. And, and we don't do a lot of, uh, we don't do like a lot of sports. I mean, if they show an interest in something, we encourage it, but, but performing has just been kind of part of our family culture and something that we, we do. And we haven't had any kids that have really pushed back and said, I don't want to, They're, they've all been like, great. This is, this is fun. This is a, yeah. oh, we're, an energy to this that I like. And so, we're going to make a lip sync video in the car on our road trip. All right. All right. Great. Can I pick the song? Yes. <laughs> and, and I would highly recommend if there's any way you can follow Ken's Instagram, the lip sync videos are phenomenal. They are just absolutely fantastic. So I think humor really kind of bonds people together. Yes. Absolutely. You know, when yes. you can Softens laugh. life, doesn't it? When you, when you can laugh with someone. Uh, we, full disclosure, went out to lunch right before we recorded this, and uh, we were laughing at an inside joke from 24 years ago <laughs> that we still all remember and what wonderful <laughs> times those are. And I think it helps out quite a bit. So you guys kind of maybe had a little bit of a hiatus from performing on stage you're raising families mm-hmm. yeah for sure but recently uh, but sean we did road shows i mean come yeah. on well that's pretty pro <laughs> that's that's a pretty big deal i'm I just didn't... saying we you know we kept our pencil in the sharpener yeah i didn't i didn't see the road show on your imdb <laughs> but but i we need to update that but yeah if you would if you wouldn't mind that would be great uh but katie well so you guys both perform together and still do sometimes with comedy sports we, we do. do yeah when we came back we um we were invited to come uh perform and we're like you know old oh we're old and so <laughs> <laughs> there'll be times where we're in the middle of the 9:30 show and i'm like oh I'm so tired. <laughs> Why am I still up? I wouldn't come to a show this late. Why am I performing? <laughs> and uh, but yeah, we we but uh, we still do it, folks. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> with yeah. the yuck. Yeah, we don't remember it, but we perform the best to our abilities. Um, but no, yeah, we get we go down once or once a month or so, maybe twice a month, and, and perform yeah. together at comedy sports. It's and, a lot of fun, uh, and that's a blast. It's it's fun too because we've had our teenage kids who have worked at comedy sports and so they come to comedy sports or they bring their dates to comedy sports, which is such a, I don't know, it's a little bit weird, right? To think of yourself as a teenager being like, hey, let's go on a date and watch my parents perform comedy. <laughs> I th- it's I think kind it's, of funny. I think it's even funnier for the date. <laughs> It's like, hey, Joe, what did you guys do Friday night? We went and watched her parents tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and we paid for it. And I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's that's been very exciting. funny. But in addition to performing together, Katie's part of a, an all-female. And that's that's what I was driving at, was Katie's a star. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, come I, on. I now. <laughs> yeah. Can I never really actually invited you along so i'm not sure why you're here we really he's just, my ride we, <laughs> we really just wanted to have katie on yes. so yes uh actually i want to finish with katie talking about this improv troupe but ken i think our listeners would be fascinated to know about your job because you work for i work for the church now yeah. yes i do i um so my like i said my history is in advertising and it's been Mostly uh, account managing and strategy and some creative. And then about a year and a half ago, opportunity came up to work uh, for the church in LDS Philanthropies. So we, we are the fundraising 
um, department. We're a department under the office of the presiding bishopric, and, and we handle the fundraising for scholarships for all the church schools, uh, humanitarian efforts, general missionary fund, and that, that kind of thing. And so, What have you learned that has surprised you? Like that you didn't know before that well, surprised you. Well, I learned that you. this department exists. I didn't yeah. know that before. You never hear about it. <laughs> no, you don't it, hear it's about not. it. Yeah, it's very much. That's a, on purpose. Yeah, I think it is a. Um, Are you getting trouble for talking about this on the show? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Because in for it. he will have to burn it. <laughs> there will now be seven more people in the world who have heard of this. <laughs> but my parents are two of them. Well, so. Good. If I could just talk to them after. Um, yeah. Uh, what have I learned through the through this? Yeah, through this job? process that surprises you that you wouldn't have thought of. I guess I am um, impressed with the amount of uh, of people with consecrated hearts. You know, the mm. people who have, they are very humble about, down to earth. You know, the Lord's blessed me, um, and I am a steward over these over all that I've been given, and I'm going to be accountable for what I do with it. And I want to do good things, and so I've been impressed with those people. And then I've also learned, you know, I've done quite a bit of uh, fundraising for BYU Hawaii. And so you, there's these international students, right, from all over the Pacific mm. who come, uh, who, whose parents are farmers and make $40 a week. And, yeah. and here are these students who have, who are so gracious about what's been given to them and they want to do good because someone's invested in them. And it's not an attitude of, yeah, my background's bad. So you should be giving me everything. It's this very much an mm. attitude of, I, I can't believe that I get to be here and I can't believe there are people who are, who are giving and, and uh, and so it's it's anytime I've gone gone over there and met people, I just oh just is inspiring. It is um, it's just remarkable to see uh, people who are. There's that quote from Merchant of Venice about mercy being blessing the giver and the receiver, mm-hmm. and I think of that when I uh, when I see this uh, this phenomenon of those who are giving are edified, and then those who are receiving are are blessed, and so. In in a world that seems like it's getting darker, yeah, <laughs> it's great to have a front row seat to a lot of light in the world and, and the goodness of goodness of people. What an awesome job! It's yeah, a I blessing love- because Ken for, has for many years has had jobs that um, were good and good for our family, but this is the first job where he feels like there is such meaning. I understand the why of of why I'm going to work. It's not just, it's mm. not just to make money for my family. It's there's nobility oh, in it. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a great privilege. What all falls under LDS philanthropies? What what groups um, that we that we fund? Yeah, like what, what projects do you fund? Okay, for? so you have uh, so there's a, f- a few different. I guess two different umbrellas. One of them is church priorities, and that's all the humanitarian efforts. You know, LDS charities. So there's, I mean, since 1985, they raised 1.89 billion dollars for wow. 189 different uh, countries. And so wow. lot, there's thousands of partners that they work with. So everything from digging wells in Africa to, you know, the relief of the natural disasters like last year. And uh, um, just and, – and if you go to LDS Charities, uh, you know, their website, there's over 100 videos you can see about the different projects that they do. Incredible. It's, it's wonderful. Um, uh, the General Missionary Fund, which serves countries, not the U.S., but other countries where, you know, there's they missionaries that want to serve and, and the families just aren't able to support them. What were you going to say? Yeah. Oh. Um, family Search is covered under that. And then uh, Self-Reliant Services and the Perpetual Education Fund. Incredible. So that's all under the church umbrella. And then under the under the uh, education, you have BYU and BYU-Hawaii, BYU-Idaho, BYU Pathway Worldwide. 
and LDS Business College. And these are all of the fundraising there is is targeted towards these students. It's um, scholarships. It's all scholarship or mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some. But uh, really, to the students. Yeah, it's all Absolutely. for it's all student based. It is just so based. awesome. And I, I got to say, I know a couple of people have done the Pathways program. If our audience is interested in looking at that. What an amazing experience oh, to help people get back to school mm-hmm. and to get back. It's an education program that is open doors for, and, and it really specifically from what they've told me about it, and you're the expert on it, not me, but but it's a lot of single moms. It's a lot of mm-hmm. men who had to take on the responsibility of raising mm-hmm. children, never got their education mm-hmm. done, Yeah, but it's a very low cost, easy way to get back and get your education done. Yes, it's absolutely. So aligned with the mission of the church, mm-hmm. it's marvelous. Pathways. Yeah, I it's mean, all it's opening just, doors, right? It's all yeah. yeah, and it's all about helping people help themselves. Up. Absolutely. absolutely. And then this expectation—it's one of the things I love about the Perpetual Education Fund. Um, it's one of my favorite charities to donate to, is because it's hey, as soon as you're done. <laughs> You better start putting back in. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and that's the same thing with these international students who have the iWork scholarship at BYU Hawaii. When, if they go back and work in their home country after four years, then their grant is the debt is forgiven. Uh, and so they've wow. had this experience of going to BYU Hawaii and being immersed in the LDS culture. So when they go back to their countries, then they are leaders not only in business, but also in the church. And they, in their families. And in their yeah. families. It's yeah. just With remarkable. With no debt, right? I mean, that's amazing. And so. these are the things that I I don't know if most members of the church know about these things or not. I, I didn't know about that program. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. It's the first I've heard of it. Yeah. That's just amazing. It's yeah. amazing. What an awesome job. Now, do you find yourself needing to visit BYU-Hawaii much more than BYU-Idaho. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that safe to assume? <laughs> Ken, it's your yes. 12th trip to... You know, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you really need to get to Rexburg at some point. But do I? <laughs> in the Not summer. in February. We'll yeah. see that's it right. in the summer. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, this all takes us to, again, Katie is just a star. <laughs> Recently, you, you throw that word around. No, no, no. Wait a minute. You're the only one who throws that word around. Am I the only one? Or if you have your own photo on a full page of a magazine interviewing you about your improv. See, now you're turning red. You That's, the whole thing was this. such a surprise. Like, I honestly, for a second, I thought, is this like a joke? She I didn't was so even... suspicious when they I... called. <laughs> she like would send, and we want you to come down and take some photos. And then like, you know, a few, like I finally text back. I'm like, will you tell me again what this is? And what, I don't understand. <laughs> Why do you want to talk to me? So tell us what magazine it was. Um, it was Utah Valley Magazine. Mm-hmm. Which is a big publication. It, Utah Valley Magazine's a big deal. It's in print. The page. pages are glossy. Well, yeah. It's it's a big, it's a thing. It's a thing. And there was a, just a picture of you. There was a picture of interview. me right there. Tell and us about your new improv group. So um, a friend of mine, Lauren Johnston, who I actually knew, I performed with her husband, Aaron, when we were in the Garens mm, together. Yeah. And then she and Aaron met in the Garens later after we were already old and gone. And um, they are back here in Provo, both extremely talented as well. And um, she had the fun idea to start a group, um, an improv group that would be all female. And I was, of course, on board. And she asked um, a few other people that she had known from some of her um, improv circles. And it's been really fun. Yeah. What's the name of your group? It's called The Sheenanigans. The Sheenanigans. 
The best thing is apparently like around um around St. Patrick's Day, then shenanigans apparel starts showing up at Target. Oh, like yeah. T-shirts. Irish, I guess. Yeah. Who knew? People are like, wow, you guys are big. They're huge shirts in Ireland. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Ken, I just realized our group needs to be called He Humor. It's <laughs> 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 just men. He Humor. and He Humor. We wanted to ha- call it Daughters of the Improv Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a little long and we didn't know if everyone yeah. would get it. Yeah, no. No, people... <laughs> People would not show up to that. They think it was a historical society. Yeah. So, so what's the difference? You're 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 performing all women. That limits some of the premises. That oh, you does can it, do. Sean? Yes. Oh, does it, Sean? <laughs> Typical male comedy. So, how do you work around that? How well, do you, little lady folk? <laughs> go ahead and tell them, little girl. How do you women survive on stage without a man? That's my main question. And do your husbands let you perform? Are they all okay with this? I'm so glad you asked. With your permission, Ken, I'll take this question. And who takes care let of me the just kids say while you're performing? Who takes Ken, care of the children? Ken, do you wear shoes? I have, I have so many And how questions. many of you are pregnant right now? And are oh, we'll you all on the same cycle? Yes. <laughs> These are all the questions that our audience is dying to know. Dying. All yes. seven of them. Sean's parents want to know. Yes. All seven of our audience. <laughs> so as you know, improvisation is pretending. It's making things yes. up. And so um, when you're on stage, you can pretend to be very old or very young or a man or a woman. And um, But it's easier, I have found, it's easier to pretend to be those different roles when it's all women on the stage. It makes yeah, it that makes sense. just easier because generally when you're on stage with men and women, generally then men assume that they are men parts and women assume that they are women parts. For sure. Or men assume that they can be men and women, but it's, in my experience, harder for men to assume that a woman can be a man part. Really? It just doesn't, sometimes it doesn't... Get the message doesn't get across to everyone. I also find that it's much easier to do that while on stage. Yes. After you walk off stage, it's frowned upon to act, <laughs> to act like you're much older than you are, you're much younger. It's exactly. It's generally in, in know, polite society that's what happens upon. on the stage stays on the exactly stage. Exactly right. So if people want to see she, I have to say though, she shenanigans. Hey, <laughs> the shenanigans. You're gonna have to come down and introduce. I just want to be the introducer. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be the introduction guy. So if people want to see shenanigans, where do they go see you guys? So we perform at Comedy Sports. Um, about once a month. In we, Provo, Utah. In we, have, Provo, we have listeners Utah. all over the world. We have listeners yeah. in Vietnam. They may not make it out. Wow. So we have listeners they leave in the UK. Now. You know, when you come out to be, to um, Utah, just let me know and I'll tell you when we have yes. a show coming up. Yeah, we have. Uh, we actually have listeners in 17 countries right now. What? But That's fantastic. Yeah, so they may not be able to make it, but actually the largest concentration is here in Utah. So. They should come on down, and it's yeah. at Comedy Sports. How often? Like when? when About can they once see a you? month. Um, on Thursdays. On Thursday nights, and it's only five dollars. And Comedy Sports has been so delightful to work with. They are really awesome. just lots of fun. Yeah. And wh- how inspirational for your children 
to see that even it's, mom and dad's so old in their old <laughs> decrepit. It's okay to have, yeah, to have hobbies even when you're old. Even when you're in your mid forties, it's that very you can fun. Still have hobbies. It's fun when the whole front row is my family and my kids, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. the next one is my, someone else on stage's family and kids <laughs> and their dates. <laughs> Sitting there going, "What That's the right. heck did I get what myself is this into?" Family? That is that is a huge compliment when our son is like, "Well, what nights are you guys performing?" I, so I can bring a date and i'm like wow that's <laughs> it's darling yeah. that is fantastic that is well, that is very different that's unique well mm-hmm. you guys spread so much joy <laughs> i just oh. love you guys so much and it's so i mean really what you guys bring and and your family and everything it's just such a joy and such a pleasure to know you guys for so long and i think you're just great examples of what the church has to offer just fantastic. Oh, you're very kind. We appreciate this time. Go check out Shenanigans. Go check out Comedy Sports. You may just see Ken and Katie. <laughs> Be sure to say hi up there. if you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you do, say hi to Ken and Katie. It's it's a joy. We're going to wrap up uh, this conversation with the question that we ask all of our guests. You can choose who who goes first. Uh, the uh, the finger pointing has begun, uh, <laughs> and that question is: What does being a member of the church mean to you? You want me to go first? Okay. Um, that is. It sounds like such a simple question, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it is hard for me to separate. Um, it's hard for me to separate everything. From that, I guess I feel like it is kind of the foundation. It's the lens that I look at life through is, um, is my, my faith, my, my convictions, my, um, my own, uh, spiritual witnesses that have come. So, um, I think, I think what it means for me is that, um, <laughs> everything will be all right in the end. I think yeah. there, there's a wonderful pattern in, in the plan of salvation. And I love that pattern and I try to adhere to it. And I think we all do. And then, then when you step away from the pattern and you see everyone's unique and individual life path and there's, there's hardship or heartache or things that we don't all look the same. And it's a, a very uh, individualized um, path. And, uh, and yet through, through that hardship um, and those trials that come, there's reassurance and, and there's peace. And that, that through the Savior, everything will be all right in the end. And so, I think that's I think that's what being a member means to me is the constant reassurance uh, and the peace that's available through the Savior. That, that it's all right, it's going to yeah. be okay. And uh, I cling to that a lot, especially knowing some even mutual friends that we have. That, yeah. uh, and I have a great love and admiration for for uh, for people who. Go through that and say it's okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna see this through, and it's gonna be okay in the end. Absolutely. So that's, that's great, Katie. It is a big question um, because, like, like Ken said, is it's everything. It's it's inside and out. It's it's everything I do all day, and it's the way I move forward. It's the way I make decisions. It's the way I. Um, interact with people. It's the way I give answers to my children. You know how it is being a parent, then um, you have to face things and help your kids understand things and help them see things. And, and the gospel makes things clear. 
Um, and also you find yourself relying on those things for two people because you're saying, I'm telling you this answer that I have felt and I, and I know that it's true and I need it to be true so much. And I need you Mm. to, to feel that same thing. I need, I need this to be true because, because you're dealing with it too. It's not just me. Yeah. Beautiful. It's perfect. Well, like I've said before, I've said it millions of times, but Ken and Katie, you guys are the best. And this has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day lives with us. We love you. Thank you, Sean. My thanks to Ken and Katie for coming on the show. Isn't their energy just incredible? They are a couple who I absolutely just adore, but uh, I do kind of share that with everybody else who has ever met them. Everybody just loves them. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, you know, I was pondering back on conference and what a historic, amazing conference it was. You know, last week's episode actually came out the day after conference, but I had recorded it on Friday night because we went out of town for conference, and that's why I just generically said I hope you enjoyed conference. Uh, So this is the first episode since we had conference, and I had an experience I didn't expect. I had prayed quite a bit before conference that I would be able to, to feel the things that I needed to feel. And in the Saturday morning session, we were actually getting ready to take off to go out of town, and we were packing the car. We went inside because we we had heard that uh, the conference had started. And it was time for us to sustain uh, President Nelson as the prophet of the church. Now, I had never questioned President Nelson being the prophet, uh, but I had prayed that I would get what I needed to get out of this conference. And for some reason... When uh, President Nelson was proposed, the spirit overwhelmed me. I don't know how to really describe it other than to say it completely overcame me, and I began crying. And I received this witness that I hadn't asked for of President Nelson being a prophet. And I received that personal witness, and I know for sure that he's a prophet. What I was left feeling was something I've never thought about before. I was left thinking, why did I receive that witness? All I had prayed for was the things that I was going to need. Will there be a challenge in my life at some point uh, that will require me to really draw on this testimony? Why was it that I received such a strong, overwhelming spiritual testimony that President Nelson is a prophet? I don't know, and I don't know that there will ever be one thing, but I'm grateful for it. And I think that the more that we keep our spirits open and our hearts open, the more the Spirit will talk to us. And I testify that He gives us what we need in that moment and throughout our lives. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We would love it if you enjoy this show, if you could share it with someone else who you think might enjoy it. Uh, We had another record week, another record month. We just keep on growing and We are just so thankful for all of you, our listeners, and of course, please follow us on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, and on Twitter, and check it all out. And 
If you ever want to stream the shows, every single episode is available at latterdaylives.com. If you want to get a hold of me, I can be reached through social media or it's sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. Until next week when we will have another wonderful episode for you, please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.